everybody, and welcome to the 110th episode of the You Thought Sports Podcast. I'm here with all the normal co-hosts. I'm here with Aiden, Wyatt, Bart, and Jared. We're ready to talk some sports, and like always, we're going to get started with some news we missed. So, this past weekend, Aaron Rodgers passed uh, Brett Favre, who was his mentor for most touchdown throws in Packers history. Pretty big deal. Pretty momentous milestone. Um, And in some other NFL quarterback news, Carson Wentz's covid uh, maybe hampering Wyatt's beloved Colts, who we'll talk about in a second. Uh, you know, their chances for the division, but we'll see how that goes. Um, in other COVID news, uh, a bunch of bowl games have been canceled because of COVID. Currently, the Hawaii Bowl, the Military Bowl, the Fenway Bowl, the Holiday Bowl, and the Arizona Bowl have all been canceled. And the Gator Bowl had to replace Texas A&M with five and seven Rutgers. <laughs> So, Wake Forest really gets to prove themselves with this. <laughs> Truly, <laughs> yeah. Our bold tracking spreadsheet has a lot of strikethroughs in games. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so, what about the ta- the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl? Didn't they swap? Didn't they add a team as well? Central Michigan mm. or something like that? Yeah, I think yeah. It's now Central Michigan versus Washington State. I think I picked Washington State anyway, so it's not going to affect my. <laughs> yeah. No matter who they pick, I'm picking the Cougs. Let's go. Yeah. How could you? Homer. Not? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it updates as to how we're all doing. Uh, Bart's still winning, uh, to nobody's surprise. To uh, my surprise. <laughs> <laughs> what? Get out of here! Speak for yourself. Fake modesty. Yeah. <laughs> so stay posted. He's currently thirteen and six. See all the Ooh, see, all the good. all the Jeez. swing games got canceled. All the games where we were split <laughs> that could have swung this. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but in other college football playoff news, um, or in other college football COVID news, the college football playoff committee said teams with COVID issues will be forced to drop out. They will not reschedule games. They will forfeit, and the other team will just automatically advance to the semifinals. Probably unrelated, but apparently 90% of Bama's players have now gotten their booster shot in the last two weeks. <laughs> so I would imagine that is a precaution to make sure they don't have to drop out, but we'll see. They also closed uh, off practices to all media, I think, for the same reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so Saban ridiculous, by the way, that they... Tolerate that. Sorry. It's ridiculous that they actually would just say, oh, this, this year's championship title is going to be vacant because of COVID. Just reschedule. Let's be honest. Come on now. Yeah. I don't get the logic. Like, why? You know, they're like, "Oh, sponsorship logistically, it can't happen." Yes, it can. You can make it happen. You can play a football game whenever. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Find a field, they'll do it. And I feel like they would collapse if it actually happened. I feel like they would give in and do it. I think. Yeah, they would. Like the Big Ten last year, and they're just being like this. That you know, all the teams do take precautions. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about the Big Ten last year. Now I'm angry all over again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And to wrap it up, the news we missed and some sad football news. It was announced on Tuesday that John Madden passed away, a legend of football, uh, whose name uh, was on a video game that I'm sure all of us played growing up. Which one? No. Uh, John uh, football. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I, I so saw I've a tweet that said he they should put him on the cover this year. That would be a nice gesture. I don't know yeah. if they'll do that. But... I think It'll be one of like that. eight covers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're all doing it. Yeah, yeah put him on the digital download. Yeah. <laughs> also, Lucas, I don't know if you had this on the news uh, we missed, but I thought this was funny is that Mike Leach is playing his former school right now, Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. And apparently there's some beef, there's some serious beef there between him and the school. Yeah. 
He's he's apparently like, has not uh, let go of the fact that they like un unjustly uh, fired him, and he still owed money, <laughs> and he's still fighting it like ten years later or whatever. Well, he's not fighting it too well. With seven minutes left in the third quarter, <laughs> Mississippi State is down twenty to seven to Texas Tech. Oh, so. This would make the SEC, I don't want to jinx things, but it would make them 0-4, correct, in bowl uh, games thus far. And it doesn't even impact our predictions because we all pick Mississippi State, so Mm. I'm rooting for it, I guess. We're part of Um, the problem, anyway. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we alluded to the Colts earlier, so we're going to get started with our main show there. Wyatt's favorite team, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, beat the now 10-5 Arizona Cardinals 22-16 on Christmas Day giving the Colts six wins in their last seven. So, Wyatt, is it time we finally take the Colts seriously as real contenders? No, actually. it's Now is not the time to consider them serious contenders because I already have been treating them as serious contenders for the past four weeks. The question actually is, is it time for all of you to consider them to be uh, serious contenders? If JT, Jonathan Taylor, is not an MVP candidate, he at the very least is the most dominant force in the NFL right now. He leads all running backs and rushing yards by a wide margin of 500. And only six teams, mm-hmm. teams, have more touchdowns, rushing touchdowns to him. And he has more rushing yards at like 1,600 than 13 other NFL teams. Right? Including the team that we'll probably put in our top 10, the, the Cincinnati Bengals. When a team like that has a strong run offense, their defense follows the same identity. Right, you practice like that in defense. They're tough. They have two Pro Bowlers in their in their t- front seven, in DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard. They have a top twelve defense and they lead the league in takeaways. They clearly know what they want to do when they run, and they do it at a high level, probably a higher level than anybody else does. So I, I've already taken them seriously. And Jared, I'm actually I'm coming right at you. Are you <laughs> okay. gonna take them seriously? I'm not taking them seriously. No, no, not yet. They've been, they okay so yes they've looked good but they but the teams that they've been beating have been sputtering recently so obviously the Cardinals who are on um what three or four game losing streak now the Patriots who got exposed by the Bills this last weekend as well which was like a marquee win for the Colts but now it's not looking as good as it should be as it should and I think yes cold weather the run game is going to look better but I still have worries about not only Carson Wentz's availability but also, is he going to turn the ball? Is he going to turn the ball over in crucial moments? Is he going to make some boneheaded mistakes? Teams like the Bucks and Titans have figured them out already. I mean, Titans especially have already beat them twice. So I don't know if I'm going to consider the Colts a front runner right now. Yes, they're getting hot at the right time, but are they one of the? Are they going to make like an AFC championship? I don't think so. I don't see that happening. To surprisingly come to Carson Wentz's defense in terms of turnovers and stuff, he's actually been relatively good like there have been like the yeah. he only has six interceptions so far this year like yeah seven fumbles he's been good. yeah i mean it's not great but by his standards it's good like there was a really <laughs> bad interception in the end zone so i think as long as he can like sort of keep up that pace like i think they'll be all right he's been decent this year top half and rating touchdowns thrown i mean obviously the run game is the key of what the colts do but he just has to be competent and this year he has been competent mm. yeah and also to push back on the you know titans and bucks figuring them out they have lost the titans twice but the last time it was an ot and that was during kind of the midst of the titans like hot streak um they've since faded and the bucks it was also a very tight game so i don't know they've played up to pretty much everyone i think those are their last two losses right those two Mm. games um so 
I don't know, that's that's pretty impressive if you've had two close losses against some of the, the best teams, at least at that time, um, and everything else has been a W. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Jared, that they probably won't make the AFC Championship, or did you say win it? But I wouldn't make. be surprised. I would, Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make just because they're such a well-rounded team. And with football being so unpredictable, like, yeah, like Wyatt said, they're, they're so good at takeaways, right? I think they're also tied for second in turnover differential. So despite mm-hmm. Carson Wentz's seven fumbles and six picks, they're still right up there. So, like, given, you know, just given how random some plays in the playoffs can be, like, I could see them knocking off a really strong AFC team just off of, like, one errant fumble or interception just because they are such, like, I don't know. They're really well coached. Frank Reich is a great coach. Mm-hmm. I think they, they could play up to anybody. Okay, when was the last time, though, that in a team that's anchored by their rushing, their running game won the Super Bowl? It's all dynamic quarterbacks when you look back at it. I don't know if Wentz is going to be on that level. Um, you can maybe argue the 2017 Eagles. Okay, that's fair. They had foals that year. Yeah. So, for the Super Bowl run. But let's not act like Carson. I mean, Carson Wentz's stat line reads, offensive coordinator reads 25 mm-hmm. touchdowns to six interceptions. Yeah. He's not like he's not teetering on mediocrity right now. He's an above yeah. average game manager. I mean, I didn't even I didn't. <laughs> he's Ryan Tannehill, <clears throat> the Titans in 2019, and look and, what happened. And then. some and some of us picked Ryan Tannehill to possibly be a Super Bowl contender. Right. So let's <laughs> let's put some respect on that. By the way, that I might add, since we put out our power rankings again today, the 49ers made it, and which would make it that the Colts have beaten four top ten teams <laughs> so far. <laughs> just for, just so you know, Jay. Okay. But above all. The even a defense like the Patriots, who have been really good, Jonathan Taylor had like 170 on him. They know what they do, and they do it really well. And nothing, and nobody so far has proven in the middle of this hot streak that they can take that away from them. So I'm not worried about the Carson Wentz factor because they're not asking Carson Wentz to do anything because they just don't have to. Jared, in the AFC, who are your your top two teams? Who do you think is making the AFC championship? I feel like there's one obvious pick and then everything Jeez. else is like, yeah. But who besides that? Uh let me look. I think the, I think Chiefs Bengals. Bills. Chiefs Bills. Bills? Yes. Look they at what the Bills one against, they had one good win against the Patriots after like sputtering for like the whole second half of the season. Not what not one good win. They beat the Saints. They demolished them. Okay. The Saints aren't played, very played good. close to the Bucks. Saints aren't a, aren't a good win. Yeah, but I think they are. <laughs> so and by the way, hot it, at the right time. If if the yeah. Saints are a good win, give the Giants some credit, right? <laughs> Unelim- <laughs> uneliminate them from the playoffs, and I think that they might be dangerous. <laughs> Make it on on virtue of one yeah. good win. <laughs> if that's the standard, beating the Saints. Come on, Jack. All right, the Dolphins then. Dolphins Chiefs AFC Championship game. Dolphins be streaking, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they have played also nobody in that streak. Yeah, they will completely <laughs> ignore that fact. <laughs> okay, but you know what? Nonetheless, being the first team ever to have seven straight losses and then seven straight wins is yeah. pretty nuts. Like regardless yeah, of who that. they've played, but yeah, they haven't played anybody in this streak, yeah. in the win streak. And then if you look at the teams they lost to in the losing streak, it's like yeah, that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I think they'll probably lose their last two as well. The Dolphins? Are we talking? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I agree. I think that they're going to be. It's going to be a super anticlimactic finish to the year where they just they have to win Oof. out and they're going to lose like next week or one of the next two weeks, and then it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then the two uh, trade rumors will come back. You know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. 
But on the flip side of the Colts, uh, sort of shifting gears, they beat the Cardinals this past weekend. And the Cardinals started off really hot. They were number the number the best record in the NFL for a while. But they've sort of limped along to now ten and five, um, and where they are no longer even first place in their own division. I think they're second place behind the Rams now. So yep. Bart, how uh, how good actually are the Cardinals now? Was their early season sort of run of good form equaling, you know, how good they actually are? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think we were misled. I think that there's there's some reason to be worried now. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, the th- three straight losses now I definitely think is a red flag. Like we talked about last week, losing to the Lions is pretty inexcusable. Uh, I definitely think they are they are kind of almost running on fumes. It feels like. Um, like I think what the main thing that a lot of people will try to point to, like to defend them, is injuries. Uh, they have lost a lot of people to injuries. Uh, like J.J. Watt and Nuke, not with you know, in addition to some other people, but like everybody is suffering through injuries right now. The Colts are battered. They had I think four of their five offensive linemen out for this game, <laughs> so they're suffering too, and they still won. Uh, so I don't really think that applies. They've just been sloppy. So like they had a few missed field goals for one thing. They had a botched snap that led to a random safety, which is like you know just un- unacceptable. Uh, they had 11 penalties in this game against the Colts, so it almost seems like it might be a coaching issue. And one interesting stat that I saw about Cliff Kingsbury is that as the Cardinals head coach, they have been, let me see, they've been 15-5-1 in their first seven games of all the seasons and 8-18 and in the rest. So it seems like they have a clear, like, 50-50 in the first half of the season, they're good, then they just fall off over and over again. And it seems like the same exact thing is happening here. And then on top of all that, I really think Kyler's just not right after his injury. He hasn't mm-hmm. thrown more than one touchdown in his past three games. Um, yeah, yeah, he just doesn't look nearly as electric. So I'm not super high on the Cardinals at this point. I know I, I probably listed them really high in one of our early power rankings, but I think they're falling off. Their last two games are against the Cowboys and the Seahawks, which I see them going one and one in. I don't think they're going to take the top spot from the Rams anymore. They'll make the playoffs, I think, but they'll probably be out in the first round. That's my expectation now. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think they I think they did officially lock up a playoff spot this weekend, but whoever they come up against, which, again, like you said, will probably be in the wild card, um... I just don't see them have any shot of winning the game, whether it's either um, the Cowboys or the Rams or the Bucks or maybe even the Packers. Like, I just think they're worse than all of those teams, and there's no shot they can, I don't know. Really, their offense has been really poor in the last few weeks as well. Just mm-hmm. put some numbers on it. 23, 12, and 16 in those three straight losses. Not great. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm a bit more optimistic about them i feel like we've seen teams have swings this year where they have three or four games where they just really struggle and then they do kind of bounce back to some extent we saw the rams do that a bit where matt stafford struggled for a couple games in a row and they lost a few and they seem to have bounced back a bit um seems like the bills might be doing that right now so yeah i agree that kyler isn't looking great and the fact that it's possibly you know it's still possibly due to injury is also not great it could also be a thing where he you know swings back and then they're back to being the impressive team or, you know, at least some version of that uh, that they were earlier in the year when they were, you know, they looked potentially like the best team in the NFL. They beat the Rams. Um, they beat the Niners. They played close against the Packers and whatnot. Um, so I, I'm, I don't see them yet as like a, you know, no doubt first round exit, I guess. And Aiden, I would give that to you if this wasn't the same case as it was last year, because this is almost identical to what it was last year. They, they teetered off heavily at the end of last year, and especially uh, after the Kyler Murray shoulder injury, and he's coming back from an in- injury right now. He just wasn't able to get right. Like he he starts on this MVP level campaign, 
he gets hurt, mm. and then post-injury, he, he just never comes back to the form of what he was. And that's this year and, the, and last year. And I know that it's kind of like an unfair knock because it is what it is, but he is a small quarterback. Mm. And you do wonder if that kind of puts a toll on him and in some capacity and being able to stay healthy. The, the injuries, I can't even give him credit for the injuries and say, like, oh, you know, maybe... Uh, you know, it's it's just a tough break because of injuries, but it's exactly who they are. J.J. Watt has not exactly had a slew of healthy seasons the last, like, three or four seasons. Kyler Murray, like I just said, he was hurt last year and he's hurt this year. He got, he's a guy who just happens to get injured. And and Hopkins is a is a relatively healthy player, but, you know, some, sometimes the main injuries that you want to list off are guys that you know exactly, like, you know that they're going to get hurt at some point. Mm-hmm. It's just who they are, the Cardinal. <laughs> well, well, that's something out for the Cardinals, <laughs> which I think we all of us, but maybe Aiden, agree on. Um, we're gonna head into another NFL segment. Uh, it's called Quarterback Keeper Sweep. Lots of quarterbacks this year have really struggled, or at least underwhelmed compared to their preseason expectations. Um, so we're gonna play an alternate version of Cash or Trash called Keeper Sweep, in which we argue whether teams should keep or sweep out their current starting quarterback. And we're going to get started with, I think, what might be a heated one. Uh, <laughs> Kirk Cousins on the Minnesota Vikings. Bart, as a fan of the Vikings, are you keeping or sweeping, Kirk? Keeping. Easily. This should not, <laughs> this should not be heated. This is an easy answer. To, just in case anybody is, is thinking that my answer is ambiguous, Kirk is not the problem for the Vikings this year. Okay, let me make it explicitly clear. Okay. First of all, Vikings have a bottom five offensive line as far as pass protection goes. This has been a problem for Mike Zimmer's teams like every year. They have a bottom 10 at best defense, bottom five if you look at yards allowed. So Kirk is not getting the support that he needs. Okay, despite that, top 10 in yards, touchdowns, interceptions, interception percentage, adjusted yards per attempt, need I go on? He's been really good. Like, their offense is still not even as good as it should be, but that's more on play calling. But Kirk is not the problem. So I say keep Kirk. Zimmer probably has to go. They need to get some more help on defense and bolster the offensive line. But ideally, they restructure Kirk, but he's not the problem. Final answer. Aiden, what do you think? (sighs) Hate to disappoint you, Lucas. I think you want a heated debate here. Uh, I agree with Bart. We can can let others chime in if they, they feel strongly about Kirk here. Um, leaving, but I think the cardinal rule of keeper sweep is is your QB holding you back? Um, and I think Bart's totally right that Kirk's not the problem for the Vikings. He's just not, um, and for that reason, I think they should be keeping him. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved the preamble that lots of quarterbacks have really struggled. Let's go to Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I knew that was gonna rile Bart up. <laughs> Yeah, that was the intention, but here we are. All right, up next, we're going to the quarterback of my favorite team, Jalen Hurts, the Philadelphia Eagles, who now are in the playoff position. Jared, Mm. Jalen Hurts, though, he's got a lot of criticism this year. Should the Eagles keep him or sweep him this offseason? We love Jalen Hurts on this podcast, but this is a sweep for me. Wow. I get, he's what? rushed for 740 yards and 10 rushing wow. touchdowns. So do you love him or not? I get that. I get that. But the Eagles feel the like they're in the category me. of a Saints or Steelers where they're maybe a quarterback away from being a true Super Bowl contender. Especially it feels like the Saints situation where they just love Taysom Hill. He's so dynamic, but they need a more traditional quarterback to get it done, to get over the hump. Like, I think we've seen the ceiling of what a team led by a run-first quarterback is. 
which is probably Colin Kaepernick in the 49ers or maybe like Cam Newton with the Panthers. I, 49ers like, made the Super Bowl. I know, but but they didn't. Did they win it? As they didn't win it. They almost did. did. If the lights hadn't gone out, maybe they would have. <laughs> 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 you know, like you could say Lamar Jackson. I don't think he really counts because he's a better passer than Hertz is. But I don't think this is this isn't a team that's in like a holding pattern. I think they can be an aggressive. I think they're a team that can be aggressive for a quarterback this this off season, like maybe Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Interesting. Um, I'm up next for this one, and I'm gonna go keep it like. Obviously predicated on the notion that they wouldn't get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, which I think is just like so outside the realm of possibility of happening this offseason. Um, so I'm keeping him at least for another year. Why? While he is like a very good running quarterback, the Eagles also have the best rushing offense and one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And he fits in perfectly into that sort of system. He leads the Eagles in rushing touchdowns. He has 10, which is five more than Boston Scott, who's in second. He's very close second in terms of overall rushing yards. Miles Sanders at 756. Uh, Jalen Hurts, like you mentioned, is 740, so very close second. Um, his passing stats are never going to light the world on fire, but he's been competent enough. I think his numbers get hurt by the time that his receivers drop balls a lot, like a lot of the time. <laughs> but he can like throw a nice pass when he needs to. He does occasionally have just like wild, terrible games like he did against the first Giants game where... He had four interceptions or something, I think. But those are aberrations. He's generally a competent game manager passing quarterback. And his mistakes largely seem fixable in that he is turnover prone, in that he fumbles and throws interceptions a lot. But that's just something that comes with maturity, I think. He'll learn how to throw the ball ball away. He'll learn how to protect it when he's running. So I think he's got everything you need. And if you have a really good, structured, run-first offense with a great offensive line like the Eagles do, I think he can fit really nicely onto a winner. So I give him at least one more year. Okay. Um, unless you get Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or someone like that. I'm fine with the Eagles, like, like literally, like, keeping him on the roster, like, retaining him. But I think as <laughs> as a gadget guy, he's better than, like, as your everyday starter, in my I opinion. Don't know, he's, he's a very good starting quarterback. He's a Pro Bowl alternate this year. He's played really well. Yeah. He's better as a gadget guy. Jared, if they use him as a gadget <laughs> guy, then I can't lock him into my fantasy lineup every week. Which is <laughs> I know, he's so, one of the best point. fantasy quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, insane. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to somebody who maybe not known as a running quarterback, Jared Goff of the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Jared, uh, if you're the Lions, are you keeping or sweeping Goff this offseason? This is an absolute keep for me. When Dan Campbell speaks, you listen. He was asked if Goff is the starting quarterback for next year. He said, I don't see why not. Let's not forget that Jared Goff right now has a better completion percentage than Matthew Stafford. Very decisive Six- answer. 67% to Stafford's 66.9%. I know it's very close, but he takes care of the ball. Is his QBR good? No. Are his passing yards and touchdown numbers flashy? Flashy? No, but he's been sacked more times than any other season in his career. Has virtually no weapons except for St. Brown. And the point is that he's not losing them games. And, like, Goff is a, is a former first overall pick. I don't know if there's any other prospects in this draft that are more enticing than he was or is right now. And I think at this point in the draft, you just take the best player available if you're the Lions because this team is so devoid of talent. A lot of mock drafts don't have him taking a quarterback. It's an edge rusher, either Aiden Hutchinson or, or Thibodeau from Oregon. And, like, in free agency, you're not going to land – like, Detroit's not landing free agents, and especially not a free agent quarterback. I don't know who you're going to trade for either. So I, I, I think that this is definitely a keep, at least for, like – I'm not saying he's going to be the long-term option there. But definitely next season, I think he'll be the starter and should be. Bart, what do you say? 
I agree, actually. I was worried that I was going to have to try to defend this against this heated takes from you, but no. Yeah, I think you, you took you took a lot of the words out of my mouth. I think over the past like month or so, Goff has actually looked pretty solid. I think I saw that he has, or, yeah, uh, up to this week, he didn't play this week, but up to this week, he had the fourth highest quarterback rating in the league over the past month. So he's actually looked solid. And you know what that correl- correlates with? You mentioned St. Brown. So the Lions signed Josh Reynolds. And St. Brown started becoming like the fifth most targeted receiver in the NFL. And what do you know? Goff is actually like decent. So, yeah, I, I think the rest of the Lions roster is pretty weak. And so it's kind of hard to evaluate a quarterback. But it, he actually has a few like decent weapons now already. And he's looked better. So I agree with you. I think he's done enough to warrant staying at least one more year. The one like real downside is that his cap hit is pretty awful in the next few seasons. So if they could maybe get a trade for him, that would be worth looking into. But I think he's going to be fine as your quarterback next year. I think you alluded to this too, Jared. I think the problem with a lot of these for keeping or sweeping is that the quarterback class is like relatively weak coming out of college this year. So there's no like surefire replacement for any of these guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even then, we'll like s- you look at Trevor Lawrence, who's largely struggled this year. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, even you know what I mean. It's like mm-hmm. it's just never a sh- it's just never a sure thing. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to <laughs> a former number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield for the Cleveland Browns. Why are you keeping or sweeping in this offseason? I'm going to sweep this offseason. And, you know, I understand the historical significance that Baker Mayfield might have for the Cleveland Browns. They were a very bottom feeder franchise for plenty of years before Baker Mayfield took over at the quarterback. But I think he would have done himself a favor had he had sat out with a shoulder injury this year. But he continues to insist on playing. And when that happens, you're going to have to scratch that excuse off the board. Like, if you're good enough to play, you're good enough to play. And his play so far has been awful. And to make it worse, Odell, who they cut, uh, is playing really, really well in L.A. So it kind of looks like he's really holding back this offense. And if I'm a if I'm a Browns fan, I'm not very excited about Baker. I, I would put them in the same, like Jared said about the Eagles, is I think that they have a chance to be really aggressive this offseason. And they're almost, they're pretty much, they could be a championship-level team with a solid quarterback. Deshaun Watson... Um, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers are going to be the guys they're going to go for, and I think that they should absolutely, you know, take take on that um, challenge. What about you, Lucas? I I disagree. Um, I think that you got to keep him. I, you allude to the shoulder injury. I just don't think this year it's like a fair at all representative sample of like what he can do. Like he led the Browns to a playoff win, like the Browns to a playoff win last year, <laughs> and I think that we like. Like, oh, that fact all too easily. I agree that he probably would have been better served by just sitting out this year and, like, letting his shoulder heal. Um, But I just, again, if he has an offseason to heal, to get things back into gear, the stability he brings there, and just, like, the relatively consistent play he had throughout last year when they made the playoffs, I think it's enough for Jason to keep him through next year. The only thing I would push back is that I know that he led them to a playoff win in the Browns, but, you know, you kind of expect more and you expect a lot more growth. And I just don't feel like the, he's uh, achieved on that. Uh, yeah, it's hard, I, I think, given the the situation that he's in, being a rookie quarterback or on a rookie salary, mm-hmm. is like is I'm not giving him forty or even twenty million right now. So if you have a chance yeah. to get a, a proven guy, I would go for it. Do you think he's gonna ask for forty million? No, just uh, the no. Pri- the going rate for a quarterback is high, and I don't think he's gonna he's gonna want it between Teddy Bridgewater numbers and you know like. I don't know, off the top of my head, Wilson, Russell Wilson. 
right. Well, our last quarterback uh, to keep her sweep is Teddy Bridgewater of the Denver Broncos. So, Aiden, you keeping her sweeping Teddy? I'm unfortunately sweeping Teddy. Teddy's going to move on. He's going to keep yeah, bouncing from team to team. Um, the Broncos' defense is, is good. Like, that's the, the fact of the matter is that they're halfway there. Um, I think they currently are allowing the fewest points in the league, or at least tied with the Patriots for allowing the fewest points in the league. And yet, this team is 7-8. and eight. They've lost three of their last four. And in their three, those three losses, they've scored less 13 points or less, um, which is pretty brutal. And, you know, is it all Teddy's fault? Probably not. He's been fine. He's, you know, he's taking care of the ball, generally. Uh, but there's been no explosiveness, um, no big plays, any of that. And some of that, again, is due to play calling and whatnot. Uh, but I feel like the Broncos should go the route that they went in 2011, where they had a good defense and went for Peyton Manning, signed Peyton Manning, uh, made a big splash. I think they should do that this offseason, go after Aaron Rodgers or, or potentially Russell Wilson, because they do have a talented team, and I think it would be worth <laughs> it for them to kind of go all in. Wyatt, what do you think? You know, Aiden, I think you just took everything I was about to say and you and you laid it out perfectly. Teddy Bridgewater has proven over this year and last year that there's just a severe limitation to what he can do. And I think that this offensive weapon wise on the Broncos is just as good, if not better than the Panthers are, you know, as well. And with both, you know, the weapons, DJ Moore, Jerry Judy, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Robbie Anderson, Cortland Sutton, like those type of guys, I feel like you should be more of explosive offense. And Teddy Bridgewater clearly is the common denominator in those. And he's holding them back. I agree. I don't think that uh, the they should do what the Panthers did, the Broncos, uh, and trade like a mid-round pick for a young, unproven quarterback. In fact, they have a young, unproven quarterback on their roster. <laughs> they should go with what you said. Go for the big splash play. Add a guy onto your team, like a proven veteran, disgruntled guy who wants to get out. Um, who you know, who Will, are you thinking? Uh, I have Russell Wilson would be the number one. I I I know Aaron Rodgers is in the in the mill. We might talk about this in the offseason. I don't see any reason why he would want to, you know, leave Green Bay. I think it's yeah. the perfect situation for him. Um, Russell, I totally understand why he would want to leave Seattle because they look terrible. And or uh, Matt Ryan would be my would be my two that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I think that that's another big play guy that you can get. Plus, I probably move on from Vic Fangio, but. They look like a really good, uh, really good team with a lot of good weapons, and they're relatively young. I, you just can't add more young to lead that. Go for the vet. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Sucks though, because Teddy Pritchard is such a good dude. He's a good guy. I, I mean, I, I think a lot of people would love to have him, and he is probably the best backup quarterback in the league. But when you're, you know, he's a full time starter, past five games, you're like, kind of can only go so far. Well, that's going to conclude our NFL talk, and we're going to move into a little bit of college football playoff predictions. So, supposing there are no COVID issues, we finally reached the college football playoff. Cincinnati's taking on Alabama. Michigan's taking on Georgia. The consensus and the betting odds seem to be that Bama and Georgia are headed for an SEC championship rematch in the title game. But I think most of us on this podcast are pulling for that not to happen. So, Aiden, what do the underdogs, Cincy and Michigan, have to do to pull off the upset? Yeah, so to start with Cincy, Cincy's strength is, or one of their biggest strengths is their secondary. Uh, they have, like, great corners. Um, and we saw Georgia get absolutely torched by Bryce Young. Um, and Georgia's, you know, strength is not necessarily their secondary. It's their front seven. Um, so I think Cincy matches up, like, a little better um, from that category. And I think a lot of, like, Cincy's turnover differential this year has been fantastic. 
Um, they forced 29 turnovers, which was third in the nation. So if they could, you know, force a turnover or two off of Bryce Young um, and, you know, generally frustrate him a bit more than Georgia did, I think they have a legitimate shot at, at taking that game. So I think that's the key for Cincy is, you know, forcing a turnover to taking advantage of the fact that they have a pretty elite secondary. Um, to go on to Michigan, uh, again, with, with Georgia, we saw against Bama that they were they were giving up some big plays. I think they gave up two 50-plus yard touchdowns um, against against Bama and Michigan's not necessarily, or the first thing that I think of when I think of Michigan is not that. Um, I think of the ground and pound that we've seen with Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum, um, who'll finally be back. So I, I think um, like that's the general association is the kind of run first offense, but they do have the most plays over 50 yards in college football this year, apparently Michigan does. Oh, so they do wow. have an ability to pull off is these that... big plays. So if they can, you know, make a few of those happen against Georgia's defense, we've seen that like, Georgia just does not have the offensive firepower to really catch up if they fall behind. Um, and so I think if Michigan could get a big player to get a bit of a lead, they have a good enough defense that they could shut down Georgia, and especially a Stetson Bennett-led um, Georgia offense. So I think if they, they can get one or two of those, they could win the game. I totally agree. I think like even the consensus opinion on Georgia being a favorite over Michigan is wrong. And yeah. just because like they do have that explosive offense, like you mentioned, their defense is super good. And Georgia just has a pretty middling offense and really didn't play anybody this year. Like we, we've touched on this briefly before, but like, mm-hmm. yes, Georgia had the most impressive defense, one of them ever in college football. But over the course of the year before they played Bama, they only played and beat like pretty low teams they, they didn't really have a marquee win or anything coming in and i think they were exposed when they actually played a good team um and so i think that michigan is like battle tested has experience they beat ohio state they um beat penn state they didn't slip up against michigan state but that game they probably shouldn't have lost they just sort of like imploded at the end like i think michigan is like a really good and well-rounded complete football team so i think they, I mean, they do just have to like sort of follow the Bama playbook where they beat them big plays and then just shut down the offense early. And I think they absolutely have the tools to do that. Yeah. All right. Well, if nobody else has anything to say on that, we'll uh, <laughs> hop into the uh, our predictions. Uh, so we'll first go through Alabama versus Cincinnati. Uh, we'll go through in each pick what we think the score is going to be, and then we'll go through Michigan and Georgia and each pick what we think the score is going to be. So we'll get started with Jared. What are you predicting for Alabama-Cincinnati? Sorry, Cincy. <laughs> I am going Bama, though. Pretty handedly, 43-17 uh, for my score Ooh. here. Oh my Look, God. Bama Bama is the same old Bama as far as we can tell, based off the last time we saw them. Um, the last time... So as far as I know, Cincinnati and Washington are the only teams to have made the playoff without a single five-star player on their roster. Last time Washington made it, they played Bama, and they got smoked. Auburn and Florida have five-star recruits on their roster, so I guess I kind of get why they were able to play Bama close. But giving Nick Saban this amount of time to prepare for a team, I, d- I think there's no way since he hangs with Bama. I'm sorry. Uh, so I'm going Bama 43-17 here. All right. Bart, what do you think? I am a little more optimistic for Cincy, but not that much. I also agree it's going to be Bama. I'm sorry, Cincy fans. One thing that I don't even think we mentioned is that John Mechie is out because he tore his ACL. 
And so that, that will help the corners of Cincinnati even more. And I still don't think they're going to be that close. Uh, well, okay. I mean, I think Bama wins 31-21 is my score. I just, as Jared was saying, the, the talent gap, like the recruiting talent gap is, just seems like it's going to be too wide. Aiden, what do you think? <clears throat> yeah, I also have Bama here. Um, even closer than, than both Jared and Bart. I have 30-27. Um, I think the little guy's going to put up a good fight. I think we saw Cincy, you know, play close to Georgia in the Peach Bowl, Peach Bowl last year in a game that they really should have won. Um, and I think they'll play Bama tight. But I, I do agree that, I don't know, there's this historical precedent for Bama when given time to repair, just destroying people. Um, and I think they'll be a bit too good. Wyatt, how about you? Right, this feels like uh, Andy Reid and Bill Belichick after the bye type of vibe right now with with Nick Saban having so much time to prepare. And don't forget that the this Alabama team has a chip on their shoulder. They were undoubted, uh, they were doubted, and their um, you know everybody <laughs> didn't believe in them. Not even the college football playoff who who voted them number one or the Heisman voters who put Bryce Young <laughs> as their Heisman quarterback, uh, and he was the number one recruit in the class. Nobody believed them at all. Um, <laughs> And man, you know, it's hard to what, what do you do with that kind of firepower? You just kind of unload on a poor Cincinnati team. Um, I think this is a college football playoff, so I'm not going to give them the gap that uh, Jared gave them, but I'm going to go 35, 21 Alabama. And I'm going to be boring, and I'm also going to pick Bama. And I swear to God, I wrote this down before Bart said it, but I also picked 31-21, Bama over Cincy. You have so to change I'm... it. We can't both be right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, put it, bump it up a point or something like that. Price is right or something like that. 31-20. I'll make it 31 Do 22. Oh, <laughs> no, but I think, like everybody said, like Saban is just too good when he has like a month to prepare for a team. And I think yeah. Cincy will like keep it relatively close to the first half. Like Aiden mentioned, their secondary is great with Mechie out. Like, I think they will actually <clears throat> limit what Alabama can do on offense for the first half, but I just think it's like one of those things where Alabama just has so much talent and there's so much time to prepare that by the second half they'll kind of wear them down and beat them by 10 to 15 points at the end. So maybe we'll have a little bit more interesting uh, diversion than picks in uh, you know, the next one. I, I, I hope I'm wrong about my pick, actually. Yeah. I would actually love yeah, to see Cincinnati go, but I'm Absolutely. just I'm, I'm picking that one. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, I would love to as well. All right, we'll shift over to Michigan-Georgia then. Jared, who are you picking for Michigan-Georgia? So semifinal playoff games actually usually are not close, but I think this game will be close, and I'm picking Michigan 24-20 here. They feel like a team of destiny to me, and I, I don't know if Georgia's offense can like keep up. If it does get high scoring than what I think it's going to be, I don't think Georgia's offense is going to keep up at the same clip that Michigan's offense can. And Michigan can match the physicality of I'm gonna use recruiting again, but Michigan can match the physicality of a team that has like multiple five star rosters or five star players on their roster. So I'm not really worried about that to be honest. And I like Michigan here, 24-20. All right, so Bart, what do you think? I will disagree. I'm just going with the chalk because I'm super boring. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I've said this before, but I really feel like we are over as like over giving too much weight to how Georgia lost to Bama because it is Bama. I say Georgia 27, 20. 
Uh, they were one of the, like, the fewest sacked teams in the country, and so I think that mitigates one of Michigan's strongest assets, which is their pass rush. I think they they were like the third best rushing defense in the league or in the, in the country. So Michigan's really brutal running attack is going to be mitigated, and I just don't trust Cade McNamara to, to outgun Georgia's offense. Which again, Lucas, I know you said that they haven't really played anybody, but they were still one of the highest scoring offenses in the country. I think the Bama loss is just not that concerning right now. So I say Georgia twenty-seven twenty. All right, and what do you think? I'm going Michigan twenty-one seventeen. Yeah, I, th- I think it's fair for Bart to say that uh, um, Bama or the Bama loss, we're, we're waiting a lot. But I just, we don't have a ton of data points on Georgia playing good teams, as Lucas alluded to earlier. We just, we don't. I mean, their other hardest game of the year was probably against, what, Kentucky or Arkansas, where like barely ranked teams. Um, so I think playing it up against Michigan, like Michigan's definitely going to be better than any other team they've played besides Bama this year. Um, and Michigan, I agree with Jared, feels like a team of destiny. They feel kind of special, like they're kind of hitting their stride at the right time. So I think they're going to take it. All right, Wyatt, what do you think? I don't think I can live in a world where Michigan is close to winning a national championship. <laughs> and uh, actually, I agree with Bart. Georgia wasn't exactly, they weren't like just kind of winning games. They were they were blowing teams out, and they were the number one ranked team for a long time. Um I think that Jared is a little bit right saying that Michigan is a team of destiny and it's hard to pick against teams of destinies because I, I definitely get that vibe. But I'm going to go with Georgia. I think it's going to be like a defensive matchup type night. Um, so I'm going to go Georgia 24-17. And again, I've been uh, usurped in a pick by someone in this podcast, the perils of going last. But I also picked Michigan 21-17. Uh, just like Aiden did. So I'm going to, I'll bump it down to 2116. Just so it'll be a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I think, like everybody said, we, we should have like a pretty good consensus on this. That it's going to be a defensive struggle. Nobody picked either team to score more than 27 points. Um, which by college football standards is pretty low. Um, and I think just Georgia showed that they weren't really who we thought they were um, when they played BAM earlier in this year. Um, Michigan is battle tested, like you mentioned earlier. They did a great pass rush. And I know Bart, you said they were the least sack team, but <laughs> I'm just going to throw out again that, you know, who did they play? I mean, uh, is that a good metric? No, but I just, Stetson Bennett, I don't think can really probably get it done at quarterback. He's not a great playmaker. I just, I don't really trust them. Um, and I think Michigan just has a really solid, well coached team. And like everybody said, they feel like a team of destiny. So I'll pick them up against Georgia, 21 to 16. Well coached team, huh? So we're giving, we're finally giving credit to them. <laughs> yeah. This year, not we. <laughs> we are not. <laughs> not we. If they're a team of destiny, then why are they? Why would they get clapped by Bama like fifty to ten? Explain me that. <laughs> no, I mean, sorry. who wouldn't? That's, who wouldn't? I did see well, a stat. Georgia lost by last. <laughs> I, uh, because it's close to the college football playoffs, the LSU team of destiny came up on and uh, on the my like the recap of their stats. And Joe Burrow threw eight touchdowns. So I don't know. It's kind of. Team of Destiny, you expect eight touchdowns, Jared. Yeah, I'm ready. Kate McNamara, gonna go off. Yeah. I did not appreciate that LSU team enough while they were playing. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Their stats are insane. Absurd, yeah. Just reading them. Yeah. Well, we're gonna finish it off today with a little bit of a sports and American culture that we like to do from time to time. Uh, it recently came out that NBC paid more to keep the rights to the to the Premier League, the English Soccer League. Then ESPN slash Turner, 
uh, paid to get the rights to the NHL, which NBC had previously broadcast before this year uh, for like the last 15 years or so. Kind of made it seem like NBC was prioritizing getting the Premier League over the NHL in terms of uh, what it wanted to broadcast and show. And so we often hear about the four major sports in America being football, basketball, baseball, and hockey. But the relative price is paid for these two sports and the rights to them make it seem like that narrative might not exactly be true. So, Jared, in 10 years, 2031, what do you think will be the five most watched sports in the United States? Okay, so I, I will get to that question, but there's there are other things I also kind of want to talk okay. about. Just like generally the, the popularity of the league and the sports, or the, the popularity of the sport will come down to the savviness of their broadcast partners mm-hmm. and then their social media presence on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, that sort of stuff. So I, I, I took some like stats on all different ranges on that sort of stuff um, that I'll get into a little bit later when I talk about the five most in 2031. I think with the NBC thing specifically, paying more for the rights to the Premier League and dropping hockey says more about like NBC's media strategy, maybe rather than like the popularity of hockey. The only like they only broadcast one NFL game per week, right? Sunday night compared to Fox and CBS who are broadcasting games. They shell out for the Olympics, even though it's only a two year, every two year event, right? I think they're trying to be like the international sports team. So look out for maybe then they they uh, try to claim F one, on like Peacock or something. I could see that happen. And hockey does not really fit into that brand. So I think that's like part of their strategy there too. That being said. Um, hockey did not do well on NBC at all, uh, ratings-wise. It had, like, one of its worst seasons. I, I got the stats pulling up here. It averaged 391,000 viewers across NBC and NBC's uh, network, which is really bad when I start getting thrown out some more comparisons. Um, so in terms of what, what is going to be 2031, I'm going to do the four. I'm just going to do, like, the four most watched. The fifth one, like, I, I'll talk about it, but I don't think it's as relevant. First, it's it's going to be the NFL still. Let's be honest here. Um, it's it's definitely now America's pastime, and second's going to be the NBA, like just how it is right now. I think what's interesting what's interesting here is when you look at like the ratings, NFL kills the NBA in terms of ratings, but when you look at um, social media following, the NBA is crazy. So, pulling up the stats here. The NFL, they have 28 million Twitter followers, 22 million Instagram followers. The NBA has like literally double or almost triple the amount of Instagram followers and Twitter followers much more. So I think the NBA is generally a sport that's more fun to talk about, but not more fun to watch. People prefer to watch an NFL game, but in terms of the narratives and stuff, the NBA like is the sport that people talk about, but not necessarily that they watch. They watch the highlights is kind of what that bears out. So I think that's just an interesting little insight there. But uh, I think those will still be the top two. I do think baseball is going to retain the third spot as well. It's still kind of in the cultural cultural like ethos of America. It's like America's pastime. And they just have so many games as well. It's carried by a major network right now and will probably continue. Mm. So then it comes down to the fourth spot here. And you can make a case. I think I can make the case that this already is the fourth most watched sports. It's auto racing. So NASCAR, when you look at, so so here we go. I, I need to go through like a, a lot. Of but the the 2021 MLS Championship game, which I watched, that was the first MLS game I've ever watched. Uh, one point four one point one four million people watched that on average on ABC. 
In contrast, F1's United States Grand Prix, also broadcast on ABC, averaged 1.2 million views. So it was, it was the second most watched race ever um, on... Or no, that's sorry, that's a different... But uh, very good turnout, right? And then throughout the season, across ESPN, um, they aired MLS games. They only averaged 276,000 viewers. And their social media following is not very good. In contrast, F1 averaged 934,000 viewers. So almost, what, 600,000, more than 600,000 more. So F1, I think, has already passed the MLS. But then you might say, okay, we talked about the Premier League at the start. Which the thing that the Premier League has is they have a crazy social media following. Obviously, it's hard to parse out like how many of those are Americans versus British uh, or whatever. But there is a lot of potential there. So I see why NBC did that. Like Instagram followers more uh, twice as much as the NFL. Twitter followers about a million more than the NFL. So there's like obviously that international appeal there. But I think that um, when you look at NASCAR. Their season ratings was 2.93 million viewers. So actually a lot of people watch NASCAR. Mm. More than they watch soccer, more than mm. they watch hockey. And I think, honestly, the only thing getting in the way of that is, like, environmentalism, essentially, and, like, are the car... It, d- depending on, like, how our attitudes shift to that, if we're kind of going to get away from auto racing because of that. And, like, we've already seen consumer trends going towards more electric cars. But I think those are the, that's the top four... Now and will continue to be the top four. Hockey is not a is not a major four sport. Let's be honest here. There's a lot of highlights here, but it doesn't have the greatest social media following, and people don't watch the game. So I think it's uh, as much as people think soccer is growing, it is growing. I don't think it's actually going to overtake uh, auto sport with the rise of Formula One. So there you go. That was pretty long winded, actually. <laughs> I wish I had it a little bit laid out a little bit better, but that's where I'm going. What do you guys think? The thing I kind of want to say about soccer is that versus auto racing is that I think something like NASCAR in America has reached its like peak of like it's reached its ceiling in terms of popularity. Like I don't see NASCAR going as much anywhere. Well, F1 is still growing. I think there's just like much more of soccer that can grow as opposed to of auto racing that can grow. Like soccer is like way out in front um, or, or is just like in your face now, like starting this year, like. The World Cup is uh, is on Fox. The Champions League is on CBS. The Premier League is on NBC. La Liga is on ESPN. There are like all these different avenues for soccer to just be like upfront and in your face. And I think it's just more of an untapped market than auto racing is going to be. I feel like there's also some sort of there's probably also some crossover between NASCAR and F1 fans. So it's like I don't know how big the market is going to grow out. Like you know you said the U.S. Grand Prix had what 1.2 million viewers and NASCAR averaged 2.9. Like does F1 have that much more of a ceiling? Than people than like 2.9 million viewers but i think soccer does have more of a ceiling i think soccer could follow a path of being something like baseball or basketball um just because it is sort of similar in that way of being like a team sport where you pick your team and follow whereas i think um with nascar and with f1 those are also similar but auto racing and like other sport where you usually follow individuals there are teams but it's more so like an individual following sport have just a lower ceiling than team sports do and so i think Soccer's growth path could look more like basketball, whereas I think like even if auto racing continues to grow, uh, which I think it will, I think it just has a lower ceiling than something like soccer does. I agree. I I'll, I will interject just quickly. I agree, but the thing is, is are people going to to view it? Like people are going to watch it. When you look at like YouTube, for example, 
Formula One is way higher than the Premier, even the Premier League is, and certainly the MLS. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't check La Liga. I pretty much just did like English mm-hmm. based leagues. Um, but like it's only trailing the in terms of like YouTube um, subscribers, it's only trailing the NFL. So people like I think the how visual car racing is, especially Formula One, gives it an edge on the viewership. Yeah. Also, what helps Formula One is that it's not necessarily associated with like one country. I know, I guess it's like you know to some extent it's English, I guess, or there are a lot of English teams and whatnot. Um, but the drivers are pretty you know diversely spread across the globe. And, you know, that's true about a lot of leagues like, you know, the Premier League or the NBA, but they're still very much associated with a country. You know, the teams are the Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers or the, you know, Tottenham Hotspurs. I don't know why Tottenham was the team that came to mind. Um, but F1's a bit more, I think, friendly to having like a, a global um, viewership than certain other leagues. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. So and Also, the thing that hurts the Premier League, like if the Premier League didn't have such a vastly different um time schedule maybe i would think that soccer would but formula one also has the same issue so it kind of like balances each other uh i want to i want to come to the defense of soccer slightly uh no i mean i don't i don't yeah i don't think there's any it's a real really tricky question but my first thought when i when i was thinking about this was looking at high school athletics because it seems like the youth will dictate in a lot of ways where we will be focused sports-wise in the next 10 years. And if you look at high school participation, soccer is already right up there with baseball. Um, and it's like well, ahead, well ahead of hockey, so I totally agree with you that hockey shouldn't even be in the discussion of the top four. I think we just put it there because it's got the national in front of it. It's one of those four leagues. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, obviously there's no high school sport for car racing, so that's kind of hard to, to compare. But I think it's interesting that soccer is already right up there with baseball. And I think another important thing that nobody's mentioned yet, if I'm, unless I'm misremembering, is that the World Cup is in the States partly in 26. Mm. And that I think is going to be a huge boon to soccer. There's not going to be anything that major for car racing. Uh, like provided that the American team can continue being decent and hopefully improve. And in addition to all the leagues that like, you know, we will be seeing more of like the European major leagues. I would not be surprised to see soccer really get a big boon in the next decade of like just viewership high school participation, all that good stuff. Yeah. The thing I do think is interesting, though, about high school and soccer um, <laughs> is that I don't know if those numbers have changed that much. I feel like high, like soccer has always been a big like high school sport in the States. And I was looking at, um, I don't know the numbers specifically for soccer in terms of how it's grown high school-wise, but I was looking at the sports that are fastest growing in terms of high school participation. Um, and there's sports like lacrosse and um, like volleyball and other stuff like that, mm. which... Like, I feel like lacrosse has been on the rise for a while, and yet it seems like they're, like, national lacrosse league. There's the premier, now it's the premier <laughs> league of lacrosse, I think, is the, as of 2020, is the new league. And it doesn't seem like that really has taken off. Um, I agree that it definitely seems to make sense that as, you know, high school participation increases, you know, you'd assume those, some of those people become invested in the sport and stay on. Um, but it doesn't seem like those two things necessarily, like, you know, stay the, you know, viewership versus participation. Doesn't seem like they always yeah. perfectly align. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's, you, you mentioned this, I yeah. think, Jerry, but it's like, it's impossible to get the numbers on American viewership yeah. specifically of like La Liga yeah. and yeah. like the, the French main league and, and Serie A, yeah. which is painful. But I wouldn't be surprised if you, if you were able to add all those up, I wouldn't be surprised to see it already exceeding like the, the 2.9 of NASCAR, to be entirely honest yeah. with you. You just, we just, yeah. 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 
also to briefly come to the defense of hockey. Um, I also think that hockey will kind of dip a bit. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't think of it in the same league definitely as football or basketball or even baseball. Um, but looking at some like viewership stats, the, you know, 2019 game seven drew 8.72 million viewers on NBC. Um, the Stanley cup seems to generally average around like 4 million or so viewers. That's, that's a lot of people. Um, and is it just yeah, because it's, you know, on a major channel and it's in a primetime slot that has a lot to do with it compared to soccer or F1, which really don't have that luxury in terms of being at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. Um, but I do think that hockey still is. I think that's why it's in the top four or why it's considered in the top four, because we generally think of like team sports um, and in terms of viewership. It is probably the fourth team sport in the U.S., at least at the moment. I'm interested to see like how it being on ESPN and Turner like impacts its viewership too. Because yeah. so much of what ESPN has done with it is pushed it onto ESPN Plus. Yeah. And I wonder like if putting it on a streaming mm. service. Like I know ESPN's probably taking the gamble that like they'll make a ton of money because NHL fans will all buy ESPN Plus, but like yeah. I could see those numbers dipping. And I could also see it getting lost among everything that ESPN does. Like with NBC yes. having um hockey, it it was that and soccer like Bart or Jared you mentioned it was like it has NBC always kind of has like the unique sports like the the sports that are on the periphery of the mainstream like it has soccer and it has hockey and it has the Olympics and stuff like that and I wonder if like it loses its starring role in the network if it just becomes like another sport like ESPN is so consumed yeah. all the time with NBA and NFL and college football like it has a monopoly on broadcasting college football <clears throat> for the most part yeah. like I wonder if the NHL yeah. gets lost in that a little bit yeah, I mean, if you don't have if you don't have your network, like, is there going to be any ESPN show talking about hockey for thirty minutes every week? If it if it does, it comes on at like twelve thirty mm-hmm. when nobody when everybody's at work. You know what I mean? It's like you're or you're, or they're just trying to get people to subscribe to ESPN Plus to go get your show. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which yeah, maybe that's yeah. Hockey is not the broad like you were saying. Hockey is just not a broadcast sport anymore. It's more of a streaming sport, and that's where you get your. Your bread is buttered. It's streaming now. Mm-hmm. But that's a shame for them. But yeah. I mean, it helps a little bit that it's also on Turner, like TNT and TBS and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So it basically has the same sort of structure that the NBA does now. But I think that also hurts it. Like, it has the same season as the NBA. It's on the same networks as the NBA. And the NBA is always going to be chosen over hockey. So it just, like, doesn't yeah. really have the chance to shine. Mm-hmm. So. I also w- I wish more broadcast... Or I, I guess I don't wish, but like it would help the NBA more if they if more broadcast, uh, like if they shared the finals among the uh, networks. Mm-hmm. I think it would help the NBA because now it's just ABC, yeah. ESPN slash ABC. Mm-hmm. So every network builds to the Super Bowl, in in like even in college football, right? Not every network they don't devote like Fox doesn't devote that much to uh, um, college football, like Con Coward, for example, because well we don't even really broadcast their playoffs, so. I'm not going to build up this other network's mm-hmm. yeah. ratings. Essentially, yeah. that would help a lot of sports. Any, pretty much every sport. If it was, sh- if the championship was shared every year. But. Apparently, not to go like too far off track, but that's been a big talk in like expanding the playoff in college football. Like they want a lot of the other commissioners want to guarantee, like the conference commissioners want to guarantee that it's not just on ESPN, like that. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. Because it helps the SEC if it's also on CBS, because then it builds to that. It helps yeah. the Big Ten and Big Twelve if it's also on Fox. So it helps Notre Dame if it's on NBC, like, <laughs> which I think yeah. is is good. Yeah. But yeah, well, sort of a last sort of related wrapping up question. 
Uh, we talked a lot about the sports that are making big inroads, uh, like F1 and Premier League Soccer are more international. Um, do we think there are any other international sports that are poised to break into the American market next? Cricket? Literally, cr- cricket is my <laughs> yeah. only, like, I don't know how to answer this. Cricket makes a lot of sense purely because it's already the second most viewed sport in the world, and it's, yeah. like, non-existent in the States. So I don't know how else, like, it just makes sense that it's a market that they could, like, they haven't even tapped into at all. But yeah. other than that, like, I don't know how you would be able to guesstimate what the next big thing might be. Assuming horse racing, saying, yeah. Yeah, horse racing. <laughs> People love to gamble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's already... I don't know if that's international <laughs> or not, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Look, whatever sport becomes the biggest international or not, it's going to be dictated by the personality. And I think that the reason why the NBA, the NFL, and college football do so well is because they highlight and they have very strong personality that, that's my end all be all yeah, yeah. and, I'll, and I'll, I'll give the credit to f1 as well as every f1 driver seems to hate the other f1 drivers that are in there and i think that that yeah. con- i think that that contributes to a level yeah. of personality so um that mm. boxing uh ufc stuff like that i think yeah will be big imposturing yeah yeah, I actually didn't look up UFC or boxing like uh, viewership rating, so maybe maybe they're yeah, in the top I don't know because yeah. the whole pay per view paywall might kind of skew yeah, those a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's like killed boxing more than anything else. Yeah, you think because boxing, you can make an argument at one point was like the most popular sport in America, and yeah. like since it's gone pay per view, has just like I've would I be a boxing fan if I could watch it every week or like whenever there are big yeah. fights, like maybe, but I'm not going to pay mm-hmm. extra money to watch. Yeah. I don't already like, yeah. Just you know, they, but they still make millions of dollars off of the pay-per-view yeah, wall. So I don't do. imagine unless, you know, let's say ESPN offers them a mega million dollar contract to come off the pay-per-view wall. It'd be hard for me to believe that that would stop. However, you know, I think regardless of how you feel about Jake Paul, you know, he is kind of bringing more <laughs> celebrities into like the celebrity boxing mm. ring. We get to watch Lady yeah. and Bell and all that want yeah, to box. Yeah. Um, Frank Gore <laughs> and Darren Williams. I think it's okay for this. Yeah, how did an NBA player beat an NFL player? That makes no sense. I don't know. I don't know. I Scrappy. Know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I do think that's an interesting discussion about boxing and kind of their strategy because it does feel like a good short-term strategy in terms of making money. But long term, it does feel like to some extent we all developed a love of sports from just like flipping on ESPN or flipping on some channel and watching yeah. a sport and, you know, being able to do that kind of at will. And it's definitely a lot harder to do that with boxing. And you'd think that would hurt them over the course of the long term. But Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm just saying I'm not ruling out becoming a NASCAR fan if they make a good Netflix documentary. Just saying. <laughs> all right. So that's actually the answer to the question is whatever gets the next big Netflix documentary. <laughs> it helps everyone so much though. It really did. I think if you ask people like like just take a random sample of like F1 fans in America, like I would say probably like at least fifty to sixty percent are fans because of Drive to Survive. Like I don't even think that's like a conservative estimate. Or in yeah. a liberal estimate. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you guys all for uh tuning in. Um, and joining us here for the last episode of 2021. If you enjoyed it, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. You can do that now, five-star review. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Vine, um, TikTok. Meta. No, I'm just kidding. Tw- Meta. Meta. 
Twitter and Instagram mostly right now at youthsport. Uh, we'll have some great content for you up there. Too.